Welcome, uh, Bridge Church people, to the Bridging the Gap podcast. You've got me in the room and uh, Dave Lawther, as always. Hello. And uh, we're following up from Sunday. We, Dave and I have been reflecting this morning that we've uh, just been so encouraged the last two weeks. It's so good um, to be back in the school. I know it's strange with uh, the masks and the distancing and everything, but just to see people's uh, eyes looking at you when you're preaching and not not through a screen has been really really encouraging you like find out that some people have like really encouraging eyes whenever you're preaching because <laughs> you can't see them smiling but then yeah. i know myself that like since i have big bushy caterpillar eyebrows i'm just frowning if someone's preaching which isn't very encouraging is it yes i'm um i, I know a few people who do that i'm not going to name any names that when they're concentrating they really frown and it kind of throws you a bit doesn't it it's, but uh, that's me 100 percent. if you're one of them we love you um <laughs> and in, including the people in both services and on zoom but it's been it's been such an encouragement that we're starting to make steps to being uh back in one room together uh worshiping god together so um dave and i are also reflecting uh, i know we're making excuses saying this but it's, it's um it's a challenge um, to to get what you want to say into 20 minutes. Good grief. <laughs> so hard. Uh, and uh, one of the great things about the podcast has been that we're, we're able now to sort of load some of the content into the podcast where that's appropriate. That's going to be happening a lot probably in the coming weeks. Definitely. So, Dave, following on from the message on Sunday, so it's from Colossians 2, 6 to 7. Actually, what I'll do, since it's such a short passage, for yeah. a change, I'll read the verses. Nice. Um, Paul says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthening the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thank- thankfulness. So in the time that you had, Dave, you took us through what that means to um, having received him as Lord, live our lives in him, rooted, the image of a tree, built up like muscle. I'm sorry, no, built up like a building. Hmm. Nearly got it wrong. Strengthened like muscle in our faith and then overflowing with thankfulness. Uh, we won't try and go over the whole sermon, but just to start us off, you mentioned, Dave, our need for it's kind of a passing comment sort of by the way but it was a really important one i thought our need for relationship and fellowship with other christians now that we receive christ as lord because we receive the gospel and we receive the gospel from a person mm. and so we need other christians in various ways and a great tweetable quote was i thought lone rangers are dead rangers i think i actually got a chuckle in one of the services i know it's funny to see which jokes land in which service <laughs> lone rangers are dead rangers so what would you say to a Christian who says they don't need church to be a Christian or maybe they're not quite that blunt. They say they don't need to come along to regular Sunday worship. How would you respond to that? <laughs> In a slightly cheeky way, I think I'd ask, why would you want to do it on your own? Hmm. Like, I suppose that is a cheeky way to start off, especially if it's a genuine question. But why would you want to do it? Why would you want to do it on your own? Especially, hmm. you know, the Christian life, whenever we talk about it being a marathon and not a sprint whenever we talk about it being you know difficult and challenging mm. i don't know why you'd want to to do it alone like most things in life are better whenever it's done together um you know the old saying of if you want to go somewhere quickly go alone but if you want to go far go together i think that's very yeah. applicable here yeah. in the christian church but i suppose if you really sincerely want to grow you need other people um mm. probably mainly because you know, Jesus talks about the the plank and the speck in one one's eye. Yeah. You know, I'm completely blind to my own sin. Um, mm. You know, marriage has taught me that already. You always just think that you're <laughs> class and flawless, and then you know you get pointed out that actually you're completely flawed, <laughs> which is which is really helpful because then you can actually pray and 
think about these things and seek yeah. to grow. Um, and I suppose, you know, a deeper theological answer is that it's not the way God has designed our growth to happen. Mm. Like it's not the way it's supposed to happen. He's given us the body of Christ to help us grow. So, and actually often whenever we are serving together, that's when we grow most, you know, whenever you go yeah. on a camp or a mission or wherever it may be, that's when you grow most because there's most adversity because you're working with other people, mm. but it is one of God's greatest gifts to us. You know, a, a community who loves, supports and encourages our growth and helps us weed out those sins that are in our, in yeah. our hearts. And it's making me think as well about the, the, the past year, you know, the fact that we've done most of what we've done on zoom and uh, it's been a real gift of God to us, isn't it? That we've been able to keep growing <laughs> and supporting each other. But I think being back in the schools, making us, making me realize uh, what a massive aspect of fellowship it is to, to physically be with each other, whether it's in the school hall or going for a walk or meeting in someone's garden, how much we need that, you know, um, that's that's really come home to me, even with the strangeness of it being back physically together. Oh, yeah. And you can just feel people's emotional energy whenever you're with them, can't you? Mm. You can actually read how they're feeling, which is how, like you just don't get that same energy from a screen so mm. it's, it's harder to sort of pick out how someone's really doing yeah uh, let's keep praying that it's yeah. not long before we're all um you know yeah. um being able to be back in the room without restrictions and without without worry too about yeah. um being back physically together squeezed Le in one space legally allowed to hug yeah <laughs> we're getting there we're getting there okay so you showed us that one of the metaphors for growth uh, in this passage was a well-established building um and we need to be built up in our disciplines. So on being built up in our disciplines, Dave, can you give us a bit more on that? Yeah. Um, you know, as soon as I finished the first service, Tom Hawking came came up to me and said, do you want to try to cram anything more in? <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, I, I love Tom. It, it was true. You know, I'd clearly bitten off a lot more than I could chew in 20 minutes. But I suppose, you know, you could have said, you know, rooted in our convictions or you know strengthen our convictions really because we were thinking mm. on the topic of growth but i suppose what i was going for was that if being built up is a more tangible visible sign of our growth in our christian faith it's it sort of looks like the practical day-to-day -day things like fasting like prayer mm. like bible reading giving evangelism um growing in our spiritual disciplines help us to love jesus more um I think being built up is a helpful way of thinking about these things because too often, I know we're going to do a topical preach on this, but whenever we think about fasting, we immediately think, oh, I need to fast for three days or, you know, 40 days and 40 nights rather than, you know, thinking about, you know, the little screws, the little bits and pieces we can put into place to help us build that discipline of fasting. So, yeah. you know, is it the case of fasting a meal you know, one day a month, like that, that's actually quite a helpful first step. Or is it fasting from social media? I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't think it necessarily has to be meals. I'm probably going to find mm -hmm. that out when I do study on fasting, <laughs> but I think it's sort of thinking about how you could fit into your own life areas in which you can build up your spiritual disciplines by God's help through the spirit, whether that is, you know, more diligent, fasting prayer bible reading whatever it may be um I, i'm i think you're gonna ask me later on but like i'm i'm trying to think through 
memorizing scripture so like yeah. one piece of scripture a month like that is that's a discipline mm. but you know if i think in a month mm. actually it's quite i can then break it down a bit better yeah and, and you know that's the thing is that we're using discipline as a really positive word it's become a bit of a negative word in our yeah. culture and used in other ways but this is a positive thing the, the, the phrase that I think you and I have both started using fairly regularly that we pinched from, I think it was Albert Martin in a book he wrote, is yeah. the battle of the basics. Yeah, I love it's, that. It's, the, it's more often the slow, organic, step-by-step -step stuff that's powerful than the big, sudden, overnight changes that that sometimes we're looking for. It's yeah. just the battle of the basics. And yeah. I think that's what that's about, isn't it? Yeah. And it's that sort of, I mean, classic boring diet chant, but like whenever you're trying to lose weight, it's like 80% your diet and 20% the actual exercises. So yeah, it's really part partly you know what you're doing really does matter but mm. you're just figuring out the percentages aren't you yeah <laughs> so uh, you also talked about in that context about the disciplines sort of giving ourselves smart goals for growth so uh, i love the fact you're smart so specific I, you, you hear it defined in slightly different ways so i can't remember what you said a Sunday, i was i was bluffing like i think specific <laughs> measurable achievable realistic time bound that's how i remember it but you know so so specific goals is what we were talking about wasn't it yeah any more examples of smart goals for growth that, that you found helpful yourself yeah um my example on sunday was five minutes of prayer a week for someone who isn't a christian um which mm. you know is very specific very measurable sort of thing like you can do it on your stopwatch whatever it may be you know um, that can be a minute a day for five days and you have two days off the weekend <laughs> um but i think being specific is really helpful especially for me so whenever i want them to grow in a specific way i know if i just vaguely say i want to be better at prayer i can just float through life yeah and not actually be specific about hmm. what that might actually look like um you know maybe if you're super driven you know you you do this all the time but um i find often spiritual stuff is the last thing i'll you know be methodical about which is quite sad isn't it um but mm. i think at the same time i don't know if you know your imac couldn't go and point someone out specifically in the church and say this should be your specific growth goal because yeah. you know we don't know your heart like we don't know exactly what you need to grow in or mm. what you want to grow in so i think maybe it's a case of sitting down reflecting praying maybe asking someone you live with who knows you really well um and then you know asking for accountability because you know i can very easily make promises to myself but as soon as <laughs> you know as soon as i told my two brothers that i was planning on losing weight you know they were ripping me if i <laughs> if i was yeah, you yeah. know if they if i sent through a picture of a chocolate cake they're like thought you were dieting mate come on yeah. so i suppose if someone else is in the trenches with me, I'm probably more likely to stick at those sort of growth goals. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. It does raise the question, though, doesn't it? Uh, if we're, you know, because you were saying we can't give specific growth goals to other people, maybe. Yeah. And you're saying about the accountability and come on, Dave, keep, keep going. But what's the difference then between discipline, which is what we're talking about here, is a good thing, yeah. and legalism? So, a legalism that kind of puts extra rules in place for people on top of God's words. You know, that that's always a, a danger in the Christian life. You mentioned the thankfulness keeps us from legalism, but can mm. you help us understand a bit more what legalism is maybe and how discipline's different? How might, and also how discipline could become legalistic. So what's the difference between the two? Yeah. The, the tricky thing is that, you know, at no point in the older new Testament 
is there sort of a word that says legalism like mm. legalism to define it is the conviction that law keeping is the ground of our acceptance with god so legalism is the conviction that law keeping is the ground of our acceptance with god which you know obviously in our minds we know that's totally wrong because you know jesus and jesus alone is the grounds of our acceptance before god mm. but i think what happens is we know that our justification comes through jesus but then our sanctification our growth is something that happens through the law rather than grace so what like what is the difference between legalism and disciplines uh disciplines you see you know initially we feel like that sounds like keeping the rules very strictly but i think one of the ways you know if disciplines if disciplines are done right is by their fruit like legalism produces you know, arrogance, pride, and self-righteousness. Like it makes you feel like you're good enough for God or maybe better mm. than other people. Whereas disciplines that are rooted in the gospel help make us more thankful for Christ's righteousness yeah. because we're aware of how much we need him. And we're actually, we're very aware of how often we feel in our disciplines. Um, and ultimately they're supposed to make us want to walk mm. more closely with him. You know, legalism leads to misery um yeah disciplines lead to increased joy but like i mean we see it in the pharisees don't we like disciplines very easily become legalism uh hmm. particularly if it's you know like well with the pharisees for example you know whenever it comes to fasting if other christians aren't doing that very easily you know we can sort of become holier than thou because we're fasting and they're not um hmm. and actually i'm sure I don't think this is a stretch. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes we've seen church leaders fall or justify sinful behavior based on their moral goodness because they're good at spiritual disciplines, yeah. like you know, evangelism, whatever, maybe like speaking mm. of Jesus thing. Well, I'm converting all these people. Like it doesn't matter about this secret sin in my closet because yeah. I'm a gifted evangelist. So I suppose, mm. um, in summary, um, you'll know the root by the fruit. Yeah, I think that that's important, isn't it? Because you were saying that you know, disciplined in the right sense of the way we're using them here it leads to increased joy yeah. in, in Jesus, and that's one of the ways you tell, isn't it? Because you know, I think that's really helpful. You saying legalism is a conviction that law keeping is the ground of our acceptance with God, so it's like earning credit. And then the other aspect of legalism, which overlaps with that, is then putting extra rules in place that yeah. if you do these, you're a good Christian. Yeah. So it's so important what you said that. You can't specify the disciplines that are going to work for someone else. That they figure that out between yeah. them and the Lord. But those disciplines, if they're growing us closer to Christ and growing our joy, um, that's discipline in a good sense. Yeah, because not if, legalism. If, like, if for example, someone reads a, like a big, fat theological book for an hour a day, and that really blessed them, how on earth can you? put that same burden on someone who yeah. does a night shift and then has to come home and look after the kids and blah, blah. like it's just yeah. not right it's the difference in burden and joy again isn't it yeah it's really important yeah so speaking of that joy one of the other things you said using one of the metaphors from that passage uh, in terms of how we grow like like a, a tree with its its roots sunk deep into the soil and you said we need to sink our roots deeper into the soil of the gospel mm. so if the gospel is simple uh, which basically we believe it is don't we uh, and if we've believed the gospel isn't that it and uh, what's what's the deeper gospel how do we sink our roots deeper into it if it's a simple thing any thoughts on that 
<laughs> uh, I don't think I know what the deeper gospel is. So maybe I'll, I'll throw that back to you in a wee moment. But <laughs> I think you're right in the sense that the gospel is so simple. But we do have trouble believing it, don't we? So like in my life group last week, we sort of reflected on the fact that like belief is really hard, especially whenever life is difficult. Um, hmm. You know, it it's hard to trust that God has truly forgiven our sins whenever, because we do it, don't we? Whenever I have sinned in a certain way, I wait until I've read my Bible for a week and prayed <laughs> lots to then come back and yeah, actually, yeah. you know, come to him. Um it's hard to believe that God has good gifts for his children whenever life has fallen apart. So, you know, day by day, sinking our lives into the gospel is taking those great and simple truths and applying to them mm. to whatever comes our way. Um, but I, I don't know how helpful it was, but on Sunday I said, you know, we're either being more rooted, built up, strengthened in the gospel or something else. But that's the reason why we keep coming back to these basics. Yes, we've believed, but we've got to keep on believing the gospel has mm. saved us and the gospel is what keeps us so we're mm. plant stay in the soil yeah don't you know yeah. don't stick us in the sofa because that'd be madness <laughs> so yeah so the way i phrased the question wasn't necessarily helpful so it's not a case of talking about the deeper gospel necessary though though i have got a thought on that i'll come back to you on mm. but um it's about our lives being deeply rooted in the simple gospel that we've believed yeah, yeah? i mean i suppose where i was coming from i was thinking the deeper gospel in terms of the gospel that people need to believe to be saved, we know that's simple, don't we? Because a little child can can understand and believe the gospel. Yeah. I guess what was also the back of my mind, though, is that we sometimes kind of imply that because the gospel is simple, then we don't need to know much else. Um, but what I thought what was interesting is when I was reading Romans again the other day, you look, you look at Paul's introduction to the, the epistle to the Romans, which, let's face it, it's quite meaty. And there's quite a lot of detail in there, a few difficult things to understand. He's defining that basically the whole of what he says as the gospel. So I don't think he's saying there, is he? Uh, Dave and I haven't prepared for this Q&A, by the way, so we're putting each other on the spot here. <laughs> I, I don't think he's saying here, you need to understand everything in these chapters of Romans to be saved. He's definitely not saying that. Because no he, one does. Exactly. <laughs> you won't hear it. We'll never get to the end of it before glory. But he is also saying, isn't he, that there's another sense in which this wonderful, deep, rich stuff about justification and sanctification and imputed sin, um, imputed righteousness, that's all the gospel as well. Yeah. Not that you need to know all that to be safe, but that's the stuff you go on growing in grappling with. Is that, yeah. do you think that's fair? Yeah. I think this is your cheeky way of trying to get <laughs> theological Thursdays back on the <laughs> church calendar. <laughs> once we, once we can get face to face, then we need to restart that. Definitely. No, I, I do agree. Cause I mean, that's, isn't that the old illustration of like the gospel simple enough that a child can play in it yeah. and deep enough that, an elephant can swim yeah or drown yeah i, I think i'm gonna say swim because drowning is a bit bleak for the <laughs> elephant but like yeah it is that I it's think, it's it? deep and wide but it's also yeah. simple enough for a little yeah. a little child and yeah that's wonderful isn't Good it way of putting it, you're not saying to someone look you, you need to understand romans before you can come to christ definitely not but on the other hand when someone's come to christ look at the depths of the gospel in romans that you can swim in for the rest of your life but i i nearly said it on sunday but like you look around the church and you see big, massive oaks of people yeah. who are rooted in the gospel, who are, you know, have been living the life for ages. And there's young trees in the church. Mm -hmm. And actually the beauty is the old oaks are still growing and still need to 
be more rooted in the gospel, yeah. which is really, which is really encouraging because yeah. the old oaks are encouraged by the little trees and the little trees are encouraged by the big, mm. big mass of trees. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, maybe there's a Romans um, series coming up. What do you think? <laughs> don't panic church. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're doing a topical series. Don't panic church. Don't then, panic then, <laughs> See his face. Then, then it's, we've got a short Philemon series and then Malachi, pro, God willing, in the autumn, which is not going to be hugely long yeah but maybe maybe a bit further down the track anyway getting back on track um you talk of steady growth yeah uh, you talked about it on sunday and your sporting analogies got yeah. me thinking about uh so if i understand it right there's this theory of marginal gains you remember coming out of the 2012 olympics the cycling team that yeah. the way you make huge strides is you don't try and make huge strides in one go you work on those little tiny little improvements over time what do you reckon does that does that apply in some way to our Christian walk or, or, or do you think I'm importing secular categories into our thinking too much here, Dave? No, I, I like, I, I really like the idea in the sense that it's one, one or two percenters often mm. can really help us get going mm. because I just don't think in any area, you know, in some areas of life, we do make those big massive jumps, don't yeah. we? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's very, often it's just little tiny hmm. you know a s slow upward trajectory yeah um which which is great and we should rejoice whenever you know if someone becomes a christian often they'll go you know massive boom straight up but then they find out oh actually this is more of a grind this is you know yeah. slow bit by bit hmm. so I suppose you know we almost don't want to limit god to say oh well i can only grow in one or two percent Mm. chunks because we can do it in big massive ones but um mm. yeah you also want to be realistic with your well with the reality of life don't you yeah um, and i think it, it, to, we need this to encourage each other don't we because yes you, you do hear it in people's testimonies you see in scripture that, that the holy spirit is powerful and he will sometimes work in someone's life in a, in a sudden and and very dramatic way and we can make I suppose we can look back on a Christian life and see times we did make big strides quite quickly. But yeah. the reality is going back to the battle of the basics, the, the, the normal way that the Holy Spirit seems to work in our lives is the the means of grace and the, the disciplines of the Christian life and those those steps every day uh, yeah. along the journey and running, running the race. And yeah. that's important to see both, isn't it? It's Yeah, it's funny to think, you know, <laughs> maybe if you meet up one-to-one -one with someone and ask, you know, how are the one percenters going? And like, you obviously need to define what your one percenters are. But yeah. if it's, you know, my one percenter this month is going to be to learn a proverb and apply mm. that proverb to my life. Mm. That's that's pretty class. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, on paper, someone might be like, I want to read Calvin's Institutes this month. Mm. And that's that's great. That might be their one percenter. Yeah, is that what you're doing this month? I'm definitely doing the proverb. <laughs> <laughs> so, if if the, if this is all the case that you know it's about those one percenters and growing in grace and the disciplines of grace and running the race, the battle of the basics, etc. Uh, which and a lot of the emphasis of our conversation so far has been on the things that that we can do to grow in our faith and our Christian walk. How, how do we reconcile all that with the fact that it's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us? He causes our growth. So I'm, I'm smuggling in another theological question here, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> what is it, Dave? Is it us or is it the Holy Spirit at work in sanctification? We're going back, we're going back to basics here. It's, <laughs> it's both and. <laughs> yeah. Shock. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, the, 
the visual of the passage of the plant growing is very helpful. Um, Paul elsewhere, you know, in Corinthians talks about how um, one may water, one may sow, but who gives the growth. So God provides all we need in this spiritual garden, but we still we still have a role to play. You know, it is a balancing act. I remember Alan preached on Philippians and he he did uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. But at the same time, we know that it's God who gives that that growth. Um, so I suppose any growth in our life comes by the Spirit. Like whenever, yeah. so for example, if you're just randomly out for a walk or you're driving home and you feel in you a desire to pray, you think, oh, I should pray. That is from, that is from the Spirit. Mm. If you then pray, like you have to choose to pray, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But that's the spirit that's prompted that and has empowered your prayer that has caused it to, you know, soar to the heavens and mm. be heard by God up there. So I, I don't know. It's it's both and. It's yeah. us working, the spirit helping us, and that ultimately makes us quite humble, doesn't it? Well, I'll, I'll use the phrase because I haven't used it for a while. That's helpful, Dave, because I generally think that's helpful. I, I remember being told uh, when I was back studying on the theological training course some years ago that uh, it's the Holy Spirit who's at work. Ultimately, it's him, isn't it? But if he's at work, then we will also be working. Yeah. It's uh, not either or. It's yeah. our unofficial strapline, not either or. It's it's, uh, it's both and. Thanks for that, Dave. I mean, we'll, we'll uh, you know, we need to be praying this for each other and praying it for the congregation that we, we do go on uh, growing in grace and growing in our faith. And uh, hope you enjoy discussing this in life groups this week as well. And um, next week, I think I'm right in saying uh, we've got, yes, so Dave's preaching this coming Sunday and we're going to follow up on that. We're also going to try and do a podcast ahead of my next talk, which is about being filled with the spirit. So could could be a lot of podcasts coming next week. Hope hope you're looking forward to that (laughs) as much as we can. See you guys. See you. Bye.